Hello there, you're very welcome to the National Leprechaun Museum Talking Stories. I'm Eleanor. And I'm Alice. And you, thank you so much for joining us for our episode 18 of our podcast. You might notice that the name of this podcast has changed slightly. It is now National Leprechaun Museum Talking Stories. And that's we decided it more accurately reflected what this podcast is, because we don't just you know, turn up, tell a story and leave, you know, we talk a lot, we talk a lot in general, but we talk about the, we, we talk about the folklore and about mythology and where it all fits into the Irish culture and the Irish psyche and Irish heritage. And we talk about and around the stories. So every so often we're going to do a special episode where we take a story that one of us from the museum has actually told in the past and a few of us here are going to talk about it. And um, so today we're going to talk about a very well-known Irish story called The Piper and the Puka. Yeah, we're going to talk about pukas uh, since it is October, since it is mm-hmm. heading towards Samhain. Um, and I love spooky season and I love pukas and I love all the sorts of kind of horror elements to our folklore and so uh yeah i'm really excited to talk about pukas today fantastic can i also give a big national leprechaun museum talking stories podcast welcome to alice because this is her first appearance on the podcast as a storyteller in the museum yes um i was on an episode a while ago almost this time last year a year ago yes yeah. um uh for a project which i did with the leprechaun museum uh called veiled which was a uh, immersive theatrical tour through the other world and so I, I i came on an episode um and it was great fun and i enjoyed it very much but now i am a storyteller yes and so i'm back <laughs> and it's very exciting it's very exciting to be here Great to hear that. Thank you so much. It's nice that we finally subsumed you into our family. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a, a like a mitosis sort of situation. Yes. Is mitosis the right word? I didn't do science. Neither did I. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, it. I. I. I've. I've slowly over the past year, you know, been edging my way closer to being a storyteller until. Um, for two months I was um, mm-hmm. and then unfortunately we had to close and so uh, due to the, the current pandemic and government restrictions so uh, we we are now in virtual form. Yes indeed. Yes. Uh, but yeah it's mm-hmm. gonna be it's gonna be fun and yeah I'm excited. Fantastic. Today the Piper and the Puka is told by museum storyteller Deirdre Take it away, Deirdre. In County Galway, there's a town called Dunmore. And they had a well-known pipe player there for some time, a boy called Liam. He wasn't well-known because he was this talented pipe player. Far from it. This boy could only play the one song, and that was the Black Rogue. And any night of the week, at the parties or in the pub, he would play a song, the Black Rogue, over and over again like a living, breathing, broken record. And we all know how much fun they can be. But Liam didn't care what other people thought. The boy was so happy just playing a song. But he was silly. He liked to walk home from parties all alone. 
You'd walk down a path, cross the footbridge, and on the other side be his mother's house. But leaving that party so late, he couldn't see the feet in front of him. He stuck his hand straight out to feel around for the footbridge, so he knew he was on his right way. But while he was looking for the footbridge, sure the cold night air shivered down his spine and two bony hands grabbed his ankles and threw him high up into the air. He screamed for his life. Let me go! Leave me be! But he realised he was flying. He was sitting on a back of an animal, flying through the night air. Its fur was so cold and then took a glance of its red, fiery eyes. And the creature spoke. Would you wish? Now, we've got a long journey ahead of us tonight. You better play for me a song on those pipes. But Liam cried, would you let me go? Let me go. My mother, she'll be waiting up for me. I don't care about your mother. We've got much more pressing matters. Now would you play for me a good song, and not the Black Rogue? That's all I know how to play. Oh, don't I know it. Look, play for me an old song. It's called the Shan Van Vocht, the old poor woman. But I have no idea how that song goes. I don't care. Just start playing your pipes and you will know my music. And on the back of the puka, he began to play. And this song came out perfect, like the boy had played it his entire life. And when the puka heard this song being played note for note perfect, he was smiling to himself. He cries, boy, finally, you're a decent musician. Look, it's time for me to tell you. We are heading to the very top of Crowpatrick, and we're going to meet the Banshee tonight. And when Liam heard this news, he was so excited. Now, don't know how excited you'd be about wanting to voluntarily meet the messenger of death. But Liam had got himself into a predicament last year. He had taken a goose from Father William's house without asking. And that priest said his penance, the boy would have to crawl on his hands and knees at the very top of Crowpatrick for the forgiveness. So, that creature of the night, that puka could fly to the very top of Crowpatrick in just one night, saving Liam a lot of trouble. But these two, they flew over airy mountains and through rushy glens, and they reached the very top of Crowpatrick. And when they landed there, there was an open door, a shadowy figure all dressed in lace. She cries, ah, Kate, me la falcha, pukana sauna. What have you brought for us this evening? Well, the puka smiles and bows and says, I've brought for you the best pipe player in all of Ireland. He grabs Liam by the arm and throws him through the open doors, where Liam bursts into a room where there's old women hags having a feast on a golden table. They catch sight of a musician with pipes in their hands and they're interested. 
So for, from fear, Liam starts to play. He plays the Shan Van Vocht. There's no reaction from the women, so he plays the song again. And that's when they knew. They got onto their feet. They began to dance. They cheered and sang along with the Shan Van Vocht. But the more these women danced around our young Liam, the faster he began to play. The music came out with such speed that his fingers could not match up with the notes, but the notes still kept falling from the bagpipes. But when the puka saw what was taking place, he grabbed Liam by the arm once again and dragged him aside and says, Boy, it's time for you to go home. No more of that hag's curse will be upon you tonight. But before he could leave, the hags, the women, they had to give the musician his praise. They gave him gold coins and gave him such lovely compliments over his music. He took all the gold coins that his pockets could take and the puka threw him onto his back and the two, they flew down the Crowpatrick Pass, those airy mountains, through those rushing glens and they reached the footbridge where the puka met him that night. Now the puka, he wanted to say thank you to his new friend for all of tonight's festivities. And he gave him a brand new set of pipes. And he flew on to the dark sky. Liam, all alone, crosses the footbridge. And in the distance, he can see a light. But there's something standing at the window. A shadowy figure pointing. It cries, Do you know what time it is now, Liam? I've been waiting up for you all night. And Liam tried to explain. I was on the back of a puka flying through the night sky to visit the banshee tonight. But his mother would not believe him. You go up straight to your bed and you sleep and no more talk of this at all. But the next morning he wakes up and he tries to explain to her how he played the black rogue, how he played such sweet songs that hags began to dance, that women were cheering his name. But she wouldn't believe him. So he decided, sure, I'll prove it to my mother. I'll show her the gold coins that I got last night. He dug his hands into his pockets. But what came out weren't golden coins. There were leaves. So he ran upstairs and decided, okay, if I can't show her the money, I'll play her the song. He went rooting and rooting for the pipes he had last night. But he could only find one set. So he ran down to his mother and he began to play for her the music, the Shan Van Vocht. He played it as well as he did the night previous. And she could not believe it. The boy had learned a new song. And that was Deirdre with The Piper and the Puka. Yeah, what a great story. It is a great story and um, Deirdre's a great storyteller. Absolutely, incredible. Um, it's a great story because it, it kind of... It has the very traditional kind of, this is a really happy ending, but it's happy enough ending yeah. <laughs> that a lot of uh, traditional stories have. Um, and I think it's, it's a great one because it not only features the puka, but it also features banshee, yes, and hags, um, and music, which of course is mm -hmm. a big thing that is, you know, very 
much part of our culture. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I find I find it a very interesting story because um, it, it it opens up a lot of um, a lot of it it gives a lot of the uh, information that you need to know about pukas basically. Yeah. Because they are. They are somewhat hard creatures to define. If you can only know one story about pukas, this is this, this is a, good is a pretty one. good one. Yeah, yeah, because they're they're literally chaos. They just don't <laughs> care. Yeah, um, and that's what's really cool. Like as opposed to like banshees or you know tithes or or any creature that has like oh it will haunt you because you did this. Mm-hmm. Oh, it wants this. You know, it has mm-hmm. like a clear motivation. The pukas really don't. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very, and this is obviously all in generalizations. They they're just kind of agents of chaos. They they yeah. enjoy just mucking about a bit. Yeah, you know, agents of chaos to their very being because they shapeshift. Yes, literally. Yeah. So that's what that's what's pretty sick about a puka. We're not sure kind of what. I'm sure in every telling of the piper and the puka, the puka takes a different shape. Mm. Um, because that's what's really common. So I actually went and found out that three interesting shapes that the puka takes from three different counties in Ireland. Oh, wow. Uh, so where, well, aside from that, where I grew up in Wexford, it was a goat, uh, but we'll come back to that. Um, what, what was it in Kilkenny? Do you know what a puka like, was described as in Kilkenny? In Kilkenny, it was more like a donkey, I think. A donkey. Yeah. Oh, maybe because of like the nearness to Kildare and the puka of Rath Coffee. Oh, yes. Um, but we'll get into that later. But uh, I thought the the fun ones I found were in Leash, uh, traditional stories of the puka describe it as a hairy boogeyman. Yes, um, I saw that. In Down, a small goblin. Mm-hmm. And in Waterford, an eagle. An eagle? Yeah, which I thought was a strange one. That's very because when, nice for a puka. Yeah, because when I think of pukas, I think of, like ground creatures creatures yeah. that don't fly but the fact they are a puka means they can fly of course even if they are a horse a goat a donkey a goblin a, a bogeyman hare. a yeah. hare yeah whatever mm. um but yeah they they do shapeshift but what's always what the common features of a puka are that they have black hair or fur that they have red or golden glowing eyes mm-hmm. and that they can communicate with people yes um which is where i propose my first fun theory of this podcast okay so eleanor what do you know of the mothman um very little actually um apart from people who seem to be extremely online talk about the mothman the mothman has become a bit of a meme uh the mothman was initially uh Sighted in 1966 in Point Pleasant in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was sighted uh, out in a in a area, a kind of forested area that it was a munitions factory during the Second World War. And two couples were out there in their car, you know, just going for an evening drive, mm-hmm. when they saw a creature with dark grey fur and glowing red eyes oh. that reflected the car lights. And then it spread its 10 foot long wings and flew into the air. And this was the first sighting of the Mothman. And then throughout all the sightings of history, the Mothman is always described as having red glowing eyes, dark black or gray fur, uh, and can either communicate telepathically or is attempting to communicate by being a harbinger of doom. So appearing before tragic incidents. And so, 
I believe that the Mothman could in fact be a puka. Um, which is a fun conclusion to come to, I guess. I mean, it does sound familiar. It does. It yeah. th- those are very puka-like characteristics. And the other thing, of course, is that um, the pukas, they never say like, Oh, well, that was a nice evening. I'll be seeing you again, sure. Like, take care. Bye, 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 bye. They just disappear. Mm. And, I mean, Mothman is just appears and disappears as, you know, as they want to. And so, yes, so that is my first fun theory of this podcast <laughs> is that Mothman is a puka because they exhibit the same three common characteristics mm. of a puka. Uh, of course, there is, you know logical reasoning Mm. for the Mothman but you know I think it's a really fun idea Um, but yes I think I I think it's really cool how how Pukas just come sometimes to have the chats yeah Um, like you know they just they turn up because they want to have a chat with someone yeah because they're usually um, stories of, of pukas are usually based in very rural, isolated areas yeah yeah big time and and they 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 can sometimes be like strangely is telepathic the right word telepathic yeah Hmm. that they can appear and tell you secrets about your family that you are like oh nobody should know that so how does this horse donkey eagle or goblin know this Hmm. um and i think that that's pretty cool that that this they they sometimes just come for the chats yeah and in a very irish way they'll you know you're kind of under a spell when you're talking to them so you don't realize what time it is you don't realize how much time has passed and before you know it you have to rush home uh which i think it just reminds me of every time i have tea with a friend you know it's like oh jeez would you look at the time uh haven't we been chatting for seven hours so yeah i think the puka you know draws off a lot of a lot of very innate irish culture yeah the thing about the the piper and the puka is that the first half of it really follows the template of of a puka story quite quite to a t you know there's a guy and he's walking home at night Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden he's thrown up onto the puka's back and the puka flies or runs around helter skelter for hours and hours and hours uh, the, the the person on the back barely clinging on and what usually happens at there in a usual puka story is that um, at the end of the night the puka will drop the will, will drop the person on their back either near enough to their house or miles away from their house yes and they have to make their way home the puka having had his fun yes yeah they just they pick you up yeah uh, if you're weary or a tired traveler oh there's a nice horse now will you take me home brilliant and yeah they'll take you on the most terrifying ride of your life yeah and then at the end of it be like right okay walk home on your own then <laughs> you know? um and they they do do that and i think it's really really funny um but there is of course um the only person ever known to tame a puka was king brian baru of course uh who made a saddle from three hairs of a puka's tail mm. now 
if your puka is a goblin or a boogeyman, that means they have to have a tail or at least a core form mm. where they would have a tail, which I thought was quite an interesting, that we don't know what a puka looks like when it's not shape-shifting. Yes. Um, and so Brian Brewer, anyway, apparently did know or at least came by three hairs from a puka's tail mm. and fashioned them into a saddle. And when he was out on the fields one night, he, you know, threw the saddle over a puka and uh, managed to hang on for the entire wild ride of the puka until at the very end where the puka would normally like throw you mm-hmm. off their back uh, Brian hung on until the puka kept trying and kept trying and failing and got exhausted and so Brian said to the puka right you got to promise me two things and one of those things was that that the puka would no longer ever destroy a person's property again um, which is a very common thing for them to do, which mm. we'll come back to. But the second was that it would never attack an Irish person again. Huh. Uh, so he got a puka to promise that they'd never attack an Irish person again. Um, now, in the texts I've read about this, it's very clear that then everyone else is fair game to this puka. So if you weren't Irish but living in Ireland or if you were in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, <laughs> you know, you're fair game to a puka. Uh, the other kind of uh, footnote on that rule was that if an Irish person was drunk or was out and about at night time with evil intent, then the puka could, you know, take them for a crazy ride across the sea and fields and stuff. Of course. Um, and to hopefully shake some sense mm. into them. So that was the idea. However, of course, there is tales that after Brian Brew died, this exact same puka was causing people issues again. Mm. Uh, so it only kept its promise until Brian Brew had passed on. And that's um, that's one of the things I, I kind of want to come back to is that, that the Pukas would uh, damage your land or your property. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't just for fun. They actually only did this um, for a reason because uh, Pukas are kind of seen as kind of guardians of crops and of the land because yeah. it's this time of year. Now, we've had Lunas at the Harvest Festival, but the last harvest would happen just before Samhain. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you had to bring in the last of your crops. And oftentimes, you know, the puka, if given you a good harvest, they'd watched over your land and kept it, you know, good and fertile. And so you had a good harvest. And so it was tradition that you would leave a section of your crops for the puka when you took in the last harvest before Samhain. Mm. So you'd leave a small section of wheat or barley or whatever. And so that the puka could have their share. And if you didn't do this, that was when the puka would attack your property. So they would cause natural disasters to happen on your farm, such as a great wind that will blow the roof off your shed, or, you know, a blight would come down on your crops. They'd make the land infertile for the next year, or just steal all your crops the next year, whatever they thought was the suitable punishment Mm. for that. Um, So they were quite kind of just but yeah so they're an interesting creature that they Mm. they they seem to have some sense of justice but Mm. also are just chaotic yeah they're just chaotic and like i think they're a bit over enthusiastic as well it seems to me like they think whoever's going up on their back would have a great time bounding about the place yeah that we wouldn't be scared yeah Um, and that's the thing is that in the puka and the piper did the puka know 
that, you know, Liam had a debt to fulfil on the top of Croke Patrick, you know? Is that why the Puka brought them there? I have a theory about why the Piper picked up Liam right. and said that he was the best Piper in Ireland when they arrived at the party, when Liam is clearly not the best Piper in Ireland, no, knowing only... Because you can only play one song. Yeah. Like, um... The, like like when you go to a party and there's that one guy who always plays Wonderwall. Who always plays Wonderwall. Yeah. Yes, the one guy who's brought his guitar. Yeah. And is like, just kind of has it on their lap until mm. people are quiet enough for mm. them to start singing. Start strumming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe covers like a Bonnie Vare song. And then tries to do like an acoustic version of a rap song, but it doesn't really work. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No diggity. But <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yeah. yeah. The yeah the puka did kind of throw Liam in in the deep end there, being yeah. like, "Oh, this guy, best musician in the entirety of Ireland." Yeah. Like, and also, Ireland has a lot of great musicians. Yeah. So like, there would have been better pipers. Yes. But I feel like okay, a couple of weeks before. Uh, the Puka was given this job by the Banshee. We're like, we're having a party, guys. Okay, the hags are gonna, we're, hags are gonna sort the food. food. I'm gonna sort the guest list. Puka, you're to sort the music. Okay, and the Puka's like, yeah, of course, I'll totally remember to do that. Night of the party arrives. There's been no Piper booked, <laughs> and the Puka is just like, he's bringing the every venue in town. <laughs> yeah, and you guys have a Piper, and they're like. For tonight? No, you, we need two weeks' notice. Yeah. And the Puka's like, ah! <laughs> the Puka party planner? Yeah. The Puka party planner! For last minute soirees. <laughs> so he's literally like scouting out all the different parties and he's like wandering the roads and then he sees Liam coming out of this party being, you know, unimpressive but has got a uh, has got a set of pipes on him yeah. literally and he's like I'll have that and yeah. he scoops him up onto his back he's like run we have no time run. yes and play for us play a song for me on the way so I know you're good yeah and then Liam's like I can only play this one song and the pooka's like oh, oh. No. Okay, I'm gonna cast a spell so you can play a different song. Yeah. Go. <laughs> yeah. No, I like that idea a lot. I think mm. that's really good. And yeah, I, I I think the puka has a lot of personality. Yeah. And I think that's why pukas are so popular in folklore because mm-hmm. they always have personality. Yeah. They're not uh, so malevolent like no, the others. Like the banshees. Yeah. yeah. They, they they they're just kind of fun. Yeah. Um and. That's I, I guess to kind of briefly mention another story like you were saying about the donkey uh, being the image of the puka you'd see uh, in Rath Coffee in, in Kildare there's a famous story the puka of Rath Coffee mm-hmm. which is about a puka who takes the shape of a donkey uh, who was a, a old soul an old man who uh, was a very lazy man and didn't do his like you know he was a, a servant of a house and he didn't do his work in lifetime so when he passed on to the eternal judge they said no nah, you gotta go back do your work and to add to your shame you're gonna look like a donkey and so the puka of wrath coffee comes in to this household every night singing away and doing all of the like dirty dishes and laundry until you know people thank him and give him a gift and that's what he needed to free his soul oh. but so i think the pukas have a lot of personality because they're you know they're either souls that were deemed unsuitable to pass on and so they got sent back and so 
that means that you've got the mischief makers you've got the kind of more chaotic people maybe some criminals who you know well then now they can't do crimes because they're mm. a puka instead out here will we make fun of someone yeah. you know it's 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 the people who weren't deemed good enough or mm-hmm. or devout enough or whatever to to pass on from this world and so i think that's why the puka is so chaotic mm-hmm. and mischievous but also why they have a lot of personality because mm-hmm. they were humans at some point they have some idea of what would annoy a human which is oh yeah i'll get you home and then takes them on a wild ride and then dumps them 10 miles extra away you know like they they have a, an idea of what society in ireland is like mm. and so they know how to kind of mess with it and play with us and annoy us and you know do all those fun things um there's actually a story of a puka who uh took the form of a snail i think a snail <laughs> with big donkey ears who could fly yes i've heard this one yes and um now they were great if there was any old or weak or sick person who was passing by the puka they could actually hop on the puka's back and the puka would take them swiftly home Mm. uh but i think it was when some three young brothers um when when three young brothers tries to hop on the puka's back for and ask him to take them to take them home that he went completely in the in the other direction yes and the story goes that they were either an hour or a week away yeah i think and to me it it, it either means that they were on the puka for so long it felt to them like an hour but it was actually they spent an hour on a week i should say on the puka's back and they've been missing for a week or they when they got off the puka they thought that they were only an hour away from home but it turns out they were a week's walking away from home yes yeah and that's yeah that that that's it that their sense of justice of like mm. no you're not old or sick why no, would i you help can walk. you yeah, yeah you can walk go ahead mm. um and i think it's really interesting because uh, uh, in a lot of modern texts you'll hear a puka referred to as a goat uh like a a black furred goat mm and uh, with red eyes and of course this the goat is an animal god bless goats because they have been associated with gods and devils for hundreds of years and you know i think they're quite a humble animal really yeah. uh they haven't really done anything to anyone um but so this this the the idea of a puka as a goat i think is a more modern imagining of the puka and this is to do with of course the fact that ireland was predominantly pagan Mm. uh, pre-christianity and worshipped the pagan god pan who is seen to have goat-like horns and a goat-like face and so when you know christian ireland came about they that's when you know the image of pan became associated with the devil and so the idea of this goat being this being the puka is something that i've seen referenced but i've never heard a story about a goat puka no i mean i haven't read every book or heard every story in ireland but i think it's interesting how it seems to be a common thread without any backup yeah Um, that we've you know the puka's other most common form is a horse of Mm. course with uh, red eyes black fur uh but i think the goat is an interesting idea uh you know that that it might have just been Mm. put there it's easier to ride a horse than it is a goat. It is. It's also easier to ride a horse than it is a snail. But, you know, <laughs> magic. Um, <laughs> but um, I think I think what's 
great about Irish folklore and what this kind of podcast, I guess, is is aiming to talk about, as well as telling the story, is mm. like why do we have these stories about pukas? yes, um, and of course why would someone be not coming home at night? Mm. Um, and so, you know, in in most in most tales, you can possibly find the reasoning they were at the pub or they were seeing their mistress or, you know, mm. having their affair. And thus the puka was used as a scapegoat that, oh, I was taken on a ride all around the country mm-hmm. when you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that's, I think those, those like why we have the puka stories are always so fun. Yeah, and how much it might have been used as a a convenient scapegoat. A scapegoat. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And and there's so many like that. There's so many stories throughout mm. mythology of like some convenient, you know, oh well, the leprechauns took it. Oh well, you know, something else happened here that we find a a, a, a get out of jail free card mm. in our mythical creatures. Yeah. Um. And yeah. Of course, Brian Brew was um, is, was the first person to tame a puka, but that doesn't mean other people have tried. Yeah. Yes, uh, there's a story about a guy who one night was walking down the road, ended up on a puka's back, bucking and trying his hardest to hold on all the way, was dropped, you know, at the end of the night. And the next night, the puka comes for him again. To, right. and fires him up onto his back but this time the man was walking with a pair of spurs oh, yeah and he ends up clever. digging them into the into the sides of, of the puka and the puka just stops and rears up and then the man is able to get the puka to get him off his back Yeah, and they can continue on and then the next night uh, the man is walking down the road and the puka arrives and he says hello and the puka is like do you have those sharp things with you? And the man is like, yes, I do. And the puka is like, all right, I'll let you off so now. <laughs> ah, you're Brent. Go, on. Yeah. Go ahead now. You're the, good. the sharp things. The sharp things. Yeah. And um, and they they I I find them somewhat endearing. Yeah. I think a lot of our um, a lot of uh, our fascination with pokers comes because they are so endearing. They're mm-hmm. so. I don't know they're kind of sweet like that you know I'm sure it would have been heartbreaking if a puka had you know disrupted your farming or you know damaged your house or your sheds I'm sure that would have been frustrating um Mm. but there there hasn't been you know very rarely now do we experience you know the wrath of pukas mm-hmm. um and i think it's possibly to do with the fact that we don't you know there there's areas of agriculture but as a country as a whole we aren't all involved with agriculture anymore yeah and so perhaps the pukas have kind of gone further afield to uh to you know find get their share of crops elsewhere yeah the puka's share yeah absolutely um but i mean like the story doesn't just feature pukas there's banshees and hags yes yeah i i i always feel sorry for banshees Mm. um and i'm sure perhaps we could do another episode on banshees like specifically oh of course there are plenty of stories oh yeah there's so many Mm. um but i always feel sorry for banshees Mm. and i can't 
I, I, I think the imagery associated with them is so strong. Like, mm-hmm. they always have, you know, white hair. They're always wailing. They always, you know, take the image of a woman of, you know, perhaps in a nightgown or some mm. tattered dress. Um, and I guess I just, I find the idea that, that a spirit would need to continue wailing for eternity to be like an expression of some kind of pain but the banshees in this story aren't like that at all no this is a good night to be a banshee it is yeah it's a a legendary feast Mm -hmm. um and that's actually that's something interesting because a lot of a lot of um like mythological creatures or folklore creatures or even cryptids nowadays are seen as like as i said with mothman he's like a harbinger of doom Mm. But so is the banshee. Yeah. That that you, you you when you see the banshee, you know that death is going to come to you or your family. That there's going to be some great tragedy, yeah. and so it's it's. I find it interesting that that's a co- a common thread among a lot of um, of kind of mythological creatures that mm. that that they are, they are trying to tell us something, but they might not be able to talk to us about it or to express it in our language yes i wonder whether one of the reasons that we we like the puka so much or that we think he's endearing is because their presence doesn't automatically mean death no oh this isn't certain death what a great yeah (laughs) so much fun and also as you just said that they can't speak to us in our language the puka can though yeah and so that you know you can chat to the puka um but I do, I do think it's funny. Uh, in this story, the 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 puka in the in the Piper and the puka, the puka, you know, gives Liam a ride back home. You know, like gives him a new set of pipes. Mm. Says farewell, see ya. You know, off you go then. Uh, but pukas didn't always do that. So like they they're they're fond of the Irish goodbye in the, the I think that's where that came from because I don't know an Irish person who doesn't leave a party without saying goodbye. Mm. But the the phrase the Irish goodbye is like leaving a party without saying anything. Yeah. And that's what a puka does. It <laughs> knocks you off its back and it's gone before you know it. You mm. have no idea where it went or where it came from, but it's gone now. Yeah. Um and so I I think they kind of invented the Irish goodbye. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It does. I think in America they use the term of an Irish goodbye. Much more than we do here. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't know anyone who wouldn't leave a party without going, oh, right, lads, I've got to go. Take care. See you now. Bye-bye. Go home safe. Slanja. Bye. Safe home. Safe home. Bye-bye. 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 Exactly yeah. like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, exactly. Like that I think the puka may have been the uh, the first Irish true Irish goodbye. Either that or you're just better at goodbyes than the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I am. Yeah. Um but yeah, yeah. Yeah. I must say, I think Liam's mother's reaction to his story yeah. is so great. Yeah. Just like, yeah, sure good bet <laughs> and then the next morning being like yay Liam yeah yeah cool yeah oh alright yeah but then you know what yeah. you can play a new song well I'm happy with that yeah. <laughs> I've been listening to the black robe for, for... <laughs> excellent that's great at every party and funeral and wedding <laughs> no I, I I think the the mother's reaction is always the, the funnest bit for me which mm. is just like you know at least he can play a new song. 
whatever he's saying about it doesn't really matter to me you know um and and yeah I just I think it's very funny I think Liam is a a not like not a protagonist you get behind no um because you know you hear that he's like stolen from people before Mm. and that he you know he just is totally content ruining every party by playing this horrible song yeah he could be a great piper but he hasn't put the work in yeah he is not he's not um a protagonist that you empathize with no and so you you're you are like you don't even question the fact that kapuka decided to drag him off for a bit yeah you know like that's not the 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 strangeness of it the strangeness is why did the puka pick him yeah. you know he could have picked anyone yeah so why did he pick him um and the the banshees and the hags are are interesting um because i i croak patrick mm. now has a church at the top of it mm. um so I'm, I'm kind of curious as to you know if something stood there previously um where the banshees and hags were having their you know mm-hmm. feast or maybe they're having it outside you mm. know al fresco yeah. um nice on an october evening <laughs> uh on the top of croak patrick but they they the fact they don't react to his first rendition of the song and then their only reaction is I want the song faster I'm going to put a spell on you to make it faster so we can all dance like Mm. I'm making fun of you human Um, it feels kind of owned and though you know Liam never crawls on his hands and knees on the top of Crow Patrick like he was told to do he kind of has metaphorically like he's been humbled by being forced to play this music and you know realise the skill of the craft that he is not you know partaking in that he's just content being not great at the uh, not great at the pipes mm. uh, which you know it's totally fine to have a hobby that you don't want to be good at that you just do for your f- spare time mm. but I guess the implication here is that if you want to be a musician you'll have to work for it yeah. because everyone before you has worked for it yeah. you can't make a career doing this you're being lazy mm-hmm. or whatever so and if you you know if you're deciding to impose it on the rest of us yeah yeah <laughs> stop playing the black rogue <laughs> uh but so i think i think that's quite an interesting thing because it's mentioned that his punishment is this but then nothing is done about that um and so it's kind of more a metaphorical punishment for him at the hands of this puka and banshee because he's procrastinated doing this doing this penance he's procrastinated learning another song yeah he's 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 like me in college (laughs) just procrastinate everything until a deadline yeah or me all the time It's okay, we're in a pandemic. There's no deadlines. <laughs> uh, but so, yeah, I think I think that, that there's a nice kind of... While it isn't immediately clear that this is a punishment that Liam is receiving, because he's then gifted with coins and a new set of pipes, mm. but then again, they're not real, they're taken away. Yeah. You know, they are, you know, perhaps this is kind of a not only is the playing of the music faster and faster humbling but also the whole experience in that you know he thinks he's done an incredible job he's learned another song he's done the bare minimum mm-hmm. and he's rewarded and oh isn't this great oh aren't i great look at me with my new pipes and my gold and my new song mm. and then that's all taken away from him at the end except for the song saying and like the pipes 
yeah mm-hmm. saying like this is the only thing that's important you yeah. know the gold isn't important the praise isn't important because you can't prove it to anyone it's not real but you learning your craft is real and important you know and you should do that more going forward so it's kind of like a, 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 a what's the word a fable yes a fable a fable for for artists yes and storytellers work at your craft yeah never give up otherwise a puka will kidnap you <laughs> and take you to a party of banshees and hags which honestly sounds like a great time yeah actually i would love i would love that that would be a great evening for me mm. Um, but yeah, what a great yeah. story. I really enjoy Deirdre's telling of it as well. Me too. I think she yeah. gives the puka, <laughs> the, the wished always gets me. Uh, he, she gives the puka a lot of, uh, a lot of character. Mm. And I think that's something as well, like we were saying about, we're quite empathetic with the puka and we, we think, you know, kind of relate to them and they're, they're, you know, they're, mischief mm-hmm. and they we like them they're nice and that comes across when we're telling stories about pukas yes. i find that uh, all of all of us storytellers here when we're talking about changelings or fairies or banshees it's a it automatically because of our you know own preconceived notions of all the stories and tales we've read about them our voices get low and quiet Gosh. to yes to yes. represent how serious and sad this is. Yes. But when we're talking about pukas, leprechauns, kind of the more fun side yeah. of Irish uh, folklore and myth, we get a bit more excited about it. You know, mm. we give them the more character because they're they're more they they seem more fun. Yeah. You know, and so I think it's interesting not only all of this stuff about the puka but how it affects us currently as storytellers um but yeah we're a bit more fond of them oh definitely yeah definitely fondness yeah there is a fondness and that really comes across in um dear just telling as well i think yes absolutely yeah Yeah, you can tell yeah what side we're on here yeah (laughs) and it's not not liam's But yeah, yeah, what a great story. I think we might leave it there, Alice. Yes, thank you so much for having me. And I look forward to coming back and discussing perhaps banshees next time or other Samhain-related mythological creatures and people. I look forward to having you. This was so great. Yeah, this is so much fun. It's going to be great to to have some more kind of background, I guess, because when uh, you mentioned to me that we were going to, you know, do a new podcast, which was explaining more the how and why of the stories rather rather than just telling them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I like about them. I enjoy finding out what, you know, what we do now is related to some story from hundreds of years ago mm. and why it is. So, like, the classic example is the horseshoe over every, literally every cottage I've ever been to in Ireland has the horseshoe over the door because a long time ago, we believed the iron would keep fairies out of our houses. And so I, I think the how and why is really interesting. And uh, it gives it gives everyone a bit more context as to where these stories come from rather mm. than just what they are. 
Yes, and that's what we're trying to introduce a little more of, along with some great storytelling. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, for the foreseeable, while we're closed due to public health restrictions, you can expect episodes of National Leprechaun Museum Talking Stories twice a month, on the 1st and the 15th of every month. Uh, we hope you enjoy. Stay tuned on the 1st of November for our next episode. And thank you again. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.